Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. On episode 17 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, we relive the glorious and complete 1-0 victory over Arsenal, including Declan Rice's first West Ham goal. Then move on to the Arnautovic transfer talk and Obiang replacements before previewing the upcoming match away at Bournemouth. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome to the Green Street Hammers podcast. We are here and we are excited and back for episode 17. Uh, as of right now, it's myself, Adam, with Jeremiah. Uh, we are possibly awaiting a, a third member of the Green Street Hammers crew, Jeff, to join in. If he does, uh, you'll all hear that. But uh, Jeremiah, how are we doing? You floating on cloud nine still from that uh, from that last match day? Yeah, I'm still floating on cloud nine. I didn't need any coffee for that uh, 5.30 <laughs> wake up either. So yeah, that's yeah, still that's, doing good. That's the thing. It was 7.30, 7.30 for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. 7.30 for me uh, for the match start. Was it 6.30 match start for you then? No, it was it was five thirty. So, jeez, so it was, yeah. That's some dedication. Had to set the alarm. Had it, to set the alarm. Yeah. It's nice though when you're the only match on. I think we were the only early match, so um, the coverage is almost guaranteed for TV wise now, which was great. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so we, we can jump into that first segment's always the match review. So um, the final score was one nil West Ham, and they put together a pretty dominant performance against Arsenal, and uh, in the forty eighth minute. Declan Rice gets his first goal for West Ham and his first Premier League goal. But let's break it down uh, stats-wise here before we jump into anything particular. Shots 11 apiece. On target, West Ham uh, edged them out 3-2. to two. Possession was 41% for West Ham to 59 for Arsenal. Uh, passes, West Ham 380 to 555 for Arsenal. Accuracy, 80% for West Ham, 86 for Arsenal. Fouls, West Ham 7 uh, Arsenal 10, yellow cards, 0 for West Ham, 2 for Arsenal, offsides, West Ham 5, uh, Arsenal 3, and corners, West Ham had a big advantage, 7-3. to three. Um, Something I wanted to talk about was that possession stat, because we've seen West Ham playing with a lot more of the ball lately, uh, this season anyways, maybe we'll say from September on, and it's something that uh, we're not really used to uh, as a team. The possession stats here may be a bit lopsided because that last 10 minutes, they really started pressing and holding onto the ball uh, rather than trying to send long balls into Lacazette and, and Aubameyang. But um, did it did it feel like uh, Arsenal edged out West Ham possession-wise there? I feel like maybe in the beginning more so. I feel like they were trying to press more on the first half. Um, and I feel, you know, I think like you said later on, it kind of didn't feel like it. Even though when you read the numbers, I was honestly shocked because... I didn't really feel at any point, except for maybe in the first 20 to 30 minutes, that I was too overly worried about uh, about mm. them having the ball. So it was kind of shocking, honestly, that they had more than that. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, great performance. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, like possession-wise, I never felt like West Ham was second in the game. Uh, no. They felt super aggressive, and they pushed, uh, they pushed Arsenal really well. 
um, something that we can sort of take pride in as well. And I, I wrote about this in, in the reliving the uh, the one nil win piece today uh, on GreenStreetHammers.com was just the fact that it is something we've again we haven't had the chance to get used to. We're not getting our formation dictated by our opposition. We're picking the team that best suits us and for the game plan we're putting forward and Pellegrini's putting forward and we are trying to dictate the game ourselves and it worked today and um yeah a lot of a lot of interesting choices when it comes to the the starting 11 let's move to there uh of course fabianski and net no no real decision there zabaleta right back diapo nagbana our only two center backs playing center back and cresswell at left back and let's stop there let's put a stop on the the lineup uh, <laughs> uh examination here and just have a moment to sort of soak in how well Cresswell has been doing in the last few games. Um, he looks like that, that bowling season Cresswell rounding into form again, doesn't he? He does. And it's, it's so good to see, you know, I've missed that Cresswell. And I know we've talked about, like, I wish we could just see the hammer of the year Cresswell come back because we all know he had it um, now, you know, with injury and probably confidence, you know, when you have Mazawaku playing in there, starting in there over you, like a lot of that's going to get to your head. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're human after all. They're not just uh, like superstar athletes. But it was so good to see to see him been playing over the last couple of weeks as well as he has. And then I believe too was it wasn't that Fabianski's first uh, clean sheet against his uh, formal former club. Seeing I as how he we went uh, to to Swansea and to us, yeah. I think that may be right. I can't I, I can't I know that so. for sure, but. Yeah, Fabianski played well, and and I mean maybe we should have stopped the dog Bonda too because he looked like uh, himself from a few seasons ago pre knee injury. He did, yeah. It seemed like everything, especially in the back four, was just was meshing the entire the entire match. Um, you know, because when you look at Arsenal's attack, they have a lot of star power, they have a lot of pace, there's a lot of physical physicality and size, even for that matter, and they just shut them down. I mean, they had a lot. I think Arsenal had a decent amount of chances and at any point in time you know it could have been one all or it could have been even two one um but they kind of stuck it out and they had help too i think with the wingers coming back a little bit and obviously you know i don't want to move on too far i don't know what you have planned for us but (laughs) (laughs) but no i i was just just to the moon and back Something that's kind of interesting with that back four and, and Agbana and Cresswell are doing a good job of adapting to this um, is that you see oftentimes Diop will go mark a header or something that's coming a little bit short of the, the back four. And mm-hmm. when that happens on either side, whether it's Diop that goes up or Agbana does it as well, the fullback will pinch in to, to sort of get closer to the center back to help cover. Once he mm-hmm. does that, uh, Rice closes in, the center back you step forward closes in, and they basically give up the the opportunity down the off wing. So let's say Ogbonna step forward, um, Zabaleta and uh, Diop sort of shift to cover Ogbonna's spot. The left winger then would be open on that side, but you have two players on the ball directly, mm-hmm. sort of pressuring him. And pressure is a big a big thing in this uh, in this match here for how West Ham had success. Uh, and, and basically they, they forced turnovers and we saw, you know, we saw Wobi be open multiple times waving and yelling, but they just couldn't get the ball to him because the West Ham defense was smothering them. And it's something, um, that I, that's maybe not going unnoticed, but something that's certainly paying off dividends for, for the team now. Um, let's have a look at, at our midfield duo. Rice and Noble, um, our holding midfield duo, I should say. Rice and Noble, uh, they both played extremely well in this match, in my opinion. Uh, the the ability Rice has to put himself in between 
a player in the ball who has possession is mm-hmm. insane. Like you would see someone when um, when Aaron Ramsey came on for for West Air for uh, Arsenal, uh, he mm-hmm. really changed the the game. I thought for that team, they looked a lot more balanced. They weren't in this diamond formation for whatever reason. They thought they would play three center backs against West Ham. Weird decision, um, mm-hmm. but especially when they're not all at full health. But whatever. Um, Ramsey took the ball and was sort of looking up to find an outlet, whether it be a, a Wobi or, or a Bumiang. And he basically, Rice stepped in from behind him, used his hip and leg to separate Ramsey from the ball, scooped it with his other leg, turned around, possession was West Ham's. It's it just, mm-hmm. the kid The kid plays like a like an adult. I, I don't know. He's, it, feel, it feels lame, like constantly saying how great he is, but he's just that great, isn't he? He is, and uh, and part of the day I had to work, and I was kind of traveling, so I was listening to it on the radio, and it was incredible how many times you you hear the uh, the radio announcers start to laugh because they'd be like, and you know, and Rice gets in the way and intercepts it again, like it was kind of turning into a game for them because of just the just how well he plays at nineteen and now twenty. Um, so happy belated birthday to you, if yeah. You ever listen if you ever listening to us, but uh, God, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> but. No man, just overly impressed, and and obviously the goal speaks for itself. But even Noble too, you know, just another, I think, solid game from him. Just God, he runs his him, legs off, eh? He was he up and down the pitch. He does. There was a couple times he got up there and actually shot too. I was like, man, you're way, you're not. We don't see that very often. Every you know, like a he had one that got away from him at the top of the box, and it yeah. was like he can see even he shot his head back and laughed. But like, yeah, yeah it's it's kind of it's good to see that that mobility in him still. Yeah, I feel like when I feel like when he's on the pitch, the rest of the team kind of gets a boost. And when he's playing well, you know, I feel like nothing can go wrong. I mean, they might not always win; it might be a draw or a close loss. But something with about Mark Noble when he's on, the rest of the team kind of follows. Yeah, it, I think that's a perfect way to put it. He sort of dictates the the game for the team. Um, up front, in front of these these two holding midfielders, we have a, a, a I guess an attacking three of, of Nazri in the middle, Anderson on the left, and Antonio on the right. Um, I thought all three of them played well, but if we're gonna be unique and, and pick on one to, to sort of point out here, Samir Nazri um, looks like he could be a revelation in midfield for West Ham. Totally, um, and you know we're just gonna keep on being optimistic for uh, for all the listeners. <laughs> oh God, he. Uh... Yeah, I'm just, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but man, he looks fantastic. Uh, and I couldn't have been more wrong in all the negativity I put out of like, don't sign him. Why do we need to get that, you know, why the weekly wage? We don't need that. And uh, man, I couldn't have been more wrong because once you get the likes of Lanzini, if you get a healthy Wilshire back, you know, just the the pieces we're going to have in, in, the, in the midfield area, in the attacking midfield area are going to be phenomenal. I mean, I'm sure, you know, we are West Ham. There's going to be some injuries that come around. But, <laughs> yeah, with Samir Nazari, it just, he looks comfortable for not playing, like, two matches in, what, the last 18 months. Uh, he just looks, like, phenomenal. Like, he's never, like, he never stopped. And what's interesting, too, is he's 31, I believe, now. And West Ham have, a, I believe, a two-year option after the six months are up on him, which I assume they'll take up, uh, you know, if he keeps up the the form that he showed in two matches here. Um, just even if, if for nothing more than a training presence and a winning mentality uh, and someone who knows Pellegrini's methods. But he, he plays in a position where you don't necessarily have to run a lot, and it's perfect for him because he isn't a player who is going to break you down with speed, take the ball, and, and you know, create space that way. But 
he's a player that almost doesn't need to make space. He, you saw him doing the, the ones and twos, give and goes with uh, Aaron Creswell and, and Felipe Anderson down mm-hmm. the left side. And he just takes what he has. He tends to have like this spider sense of knowing where everyone is at, at every time, picking out a pass, moving. And it's something that we've lacked, I think, a lot in previous seasons of once a player makes a pass, move, become a target for, for the next pass, if that's what it's going to be. But we've seen, you know, we've seen Noble do it. We've seen Rice get a lot better at it. Um, but previously, when, when he was just starting in the midfield role of making a pass and then stopping. Mm-hmm. And you're not helping anyone at that point because you're basically limiting the guy who you just gave it to to being like a reverse pyramid of every time you make a pass, there's less and less options for the ball to go forward. Make a pass and move like Nazri does, you know, creates another another thought for the defender to have to, to pay attention to. And, uh, yeah, he, he's he's someone that's rubbing off on the team. And he assisted that Declan Rice goal. And it was something uh, I didn't really expect. But he looked like a proud father when when uh, <laughs> celebrating. He looked like he's, he's got a set of chompers on him anyways. But it looked like they were going to come out of his mouth. He was smiling <laughs> so hard. And I think that shows how quickly he's gelled with the team. But also how special Declan Rice is and what a presence he's bringing to, to this team as well. Um, Felipe Anderson and Mikel Antonio, both of them... Uh, played really well I thought uh, eventually uh, we did see the team sort of change formations and uh, Obiang came on uh, Snodgrass came on more central base players even though Snodgrass, Snodgrass does play out on the right and the game sort of worked its way down with with Carroll also coming on but Antonio he let us down with another terrific shot with his <laughs> left foot um, but he's making enough space and creating enough opportunities for him for allowing himself to get that opportunity to, to, to take the shot. So um, he's looked like a completely different player from last season, even the first half of this season. He's played himself completely out of getting transferred now away from West Ham. He is a player who has to stay. He checks too many boxes, I think. How, how do you feel about Antonio's sort of resurgence here? You're absolutely right. Uh, and yes, he has an awful left foot. Um <laughs> I'm not going to go out and say that I might have a better one, but I could try, I guess. And uh, But if you could mesh him and Snodgrass together, you'd have, like, the perfect player. Oh. Uh, you'd have Antonio's pace, physicality, and just the kind of pinpoint accuracy almost that Snodgrass has. The thing I do like about Antonio, though, is, is he, like you said, he brings that extra kind of piece of being able to make a play, get away from the defense, and keep the play going. Um and finding those passes and, and at least creating those opportunities. If you can get the ball on net to you where you can get a rebound or something like that off of the goalie, you know, who knows what can come from it. And that's just something we've lacked, I think, in the last couple of years. But, yeah, you know, we all laugh, and you hear even the announcers laugh at him when his left foot kind of, you know, goes a little bit and goes a little wide or, <laughs> or whichever way. But, uh, no, man, I think uh, I've been I've been impressed. I couldn't have been more wrong if you, if you would have took – articles and podcasts and tweets i've tweeted out in the last six months about certain people like nazari and antonio and uh probably even o- creswell obiang Cogbana. yeah the list goes on and on i, I couldn't i'm glad i'm wrong i'm glad oh. maybe you know i'm sure they read my tweets and they get better because of the negativity <laughs> <laughs> that i've passed along but no i think you're absolutely right i think him I've just been impressed, and there's no way I'd transfer him now. Absolutely not. Completely agree, and um, I'm happy you said the word transfer because we're going to get to that in the next segment here. But let's finish out with um, Arnautovic starting in this match. Um, again, there's the rumors of him going to China, which we're going to get to in segment two. Um, with everything that was happening with him, 
Um, apparently, there was reports that he was basically uh, up for a match, wanted to play, wanted to still get out there. And I'm happy that Pellegrini gave him the opportunity to do that. Um, mm-hmm. He's West Ham's best striker option. And until he takes off that shirt and is not giving the effort on the pitch, um, he should be out there for West Ham. So um, I thought he, he played well. He looked um, – I don't know if he looked different or more whiny or more complainy because I was watching him under a microscope the entire match. He always put, he always complains. He always looks at his teammates when they're not pressuring their wingers or, uh, or when he's trying to pressure the, the defenders for making a pass. He always looks all whiny and pissy when that happens. But now I'm like, oh, now he just wants to leave because of that. But I, I, don't, I think that's probably just over over examining the situation um he made some good chances he he's a player who can we saw against brighton like there's nothing going for him nothing going for him nothing going for him and then in the span of two minutes he has two goals so he offers you that athleticism the size the physicality the hard working effort um he's gonna be a big loss for west ham but i think if we're gonna keep it to this match he looked um Maybe a bit distracted, but nonetheless, he was effective, I thought. Um, and it was certainly someone the defenders had to pay attention to. Yeah, I uh, I can't disagree. I feel like I was the same way, like a police detective, almost like watching every move that he made. <laughs> and uh, he did, man. There were some times that he'd be pressuring and, you know, the ball would get away from him and they'd pass it off to, like, the where the winger should be. And they weren't there. And you could see him just kind of, like, whine, like, oh, we want, you know, he wanted to keep pressing or keep moving. I did see a quote, I think it was from Mark Noble, that said that uh, he guaranteed that, you know, when Arnie was still here, that he would give 110%, like, you know, until he was gone type of deal. And so that, you know, I do appreciate that. I do appreciate the fact that, you know, even though there's all this stuff going around, I can't even imagine, you know, in my normal day-to-day life, you got some stuff going around like that, you just don't, you're not yourself. So the fact that you're going to go out there and play in front of thousands of people, you know, on a worldwide scale and still perform the way you are like all credit to him on that i think you know maybe not so much this game but previous matches there's a lot of matches where he has been the difference like in the brighton one where we probably wouldn't have won or we might not have drew so i can't say that like if he does leave and i know we're going to get more into this but if he does that you know you know we might be all right i think we will be okay but there's definitely some games where he's definitely taken the game on his shoulders and completely changed it yeah i i agree with that and and, and like we had said he, he's that sort of dynamic do-it-all renaissance player and uh should he leave he'll be missed but we'll get to that again um let's quickly touch on the goal from Declan Rice uh a brutal corner from Felipe Anderson uh we missed Mm -hmm. Diangana and uh Snodgrass for those deliveries but um (laughs) it kind of worked out I guess because the ball was scuffed back and a a defender probably Cresswell uh who tends to mark back on corners sent it back into Anderson who put in a shallow cross Granite Xhaka essentially passed the ball to Nazri in the box, laid it off perfectly, and Declan Rice, um, from the game shot, it was like, oh, like he just scored a nice goal. From the behind-the-ball mm-hmm. view, it was beautiful. There was a reason Bert Leno didn't move because he had no hope of getting that. Curling around the keeper, just inside the post, I won't say top corner, but top right of the net, it was it was perfect and, and just so well-deserved, wasn't it? It was, and the kind of aftermath was I was laughing, not so much at celebrations, but even before that, when, when the pass from Nazari came to him and the shot, it was like the announcers, all the West Ham players, to include Declan Rice, and all the Arsenal players kind of stood there for a second, like, what just, what happened, almost? I don't know if you caught that, but it was kind of like, what happened? And then you could just see on his 19-year-old face just the the overall joy oh. and, like, and excitement of scoring your first Premier League goal. Like, just, I, I was, man, so joyful. I'm glad. 
uh, you know, we were able to finish it out and that, you know, just the whole, that whole match was just perfect for that moment. Yeah. It, it was so perfect. Like you said, there, there was just, um, there was just too much going right there. And there's a really cool picture. Um, after the celebration where he slid on his knees and everyone hugged him, he turned around to the crowd and did another fist pump. And mm-hmm. looking over, looking over all their shoulders is Noble, Arnautovic, Antonio and Nazri all mm-hmm. looking at him sort of snidely laughing like like this kid's loving it right now and it's just it's yeah. just so perfect they look like proud parents um okay so uh we'll cut that here we'll take a quick break and when we get back we're going to jump into some transfer talk and news all right we are back section two uh usually reserved for twitter questions fill in the blanks uh whatever we may come up with uh, our adventurous minds have come up with all but two segments in this uh 17 part uh podcast so far but this one we're gonna just leave it to um some transfer talk and some transfer news uh we have um maybe the most exciting but anxious and nervous time ahead of us as west ham fans our main man our talisman our candidate for best player outside of the top six although felipe anderson's up there now uh marco anatovich has been linked to a move to china uh, this move comes with a first uh, a first offer of 35 million pounds, which was promptly rejected by West Ham. The second offer coming in was, I believe, 45 million, which there hasn't been an, uh, there hasn't been any sort of um, news on that yet. But West Ham apparently value him at 50 million plus. So who knows? Um, now I think it should be known that um, there are some behind the scenes. Uh, details to this potential transfer that uh, complicate things so specifically the rumor um, the rumor is that he has a lot of gambling issues and with that comes uh, some massive debts he's on about 100k a week I believe right now and the deal for him to go to China would be 300k a week that's the proposed deal as of right now Um, now X on the West Ham Way podcast, uh, the best source in the West Ham world, has said that um, there was details to this that make it more difficult to um, understand and judge, and this seems to be what that could be. Although it's not been confirmed by anybody, um, I want to restate that nobody has confirmed that he does have these gambling issues. It does kind of make sense though if you do put two and two together. Um, apparently, the club have also bailed him out. Uh, is another one of these uh, rumors uh, on a gambling issue before? So. Who knows if they're true or not? Um, what's your when you first heard these links from his brother and agent uh, about him going to China? Uh, what was your initial knee jerk reaction? Uh, well, welcome Jeff to the show here. Jeff, give us your initial thoughts on uh, on when you first heard the link. Do you think it was real, fake? Were you worried? Let us have it. But I thought when I first heard it, no, I wasn't worried because I thought it was same old, same old. I thought, okay, here's a guy who d- has one client, his brother. He has nothing better to do but like to get himself in the paper and online and on social media stirring things up. And I think sometimes these agents' motivations is to get a better deal for their players at the club that they're at or to get them an increased wage. And I just didn't think much of it. And I think it's pretty clear now as the last couple of weeks have gone on, there really is something to this. And I, I don't know where the current uh, uh, bookies have this in England right now with him leaving. I saw two to five at one particular point, but I think it, this is kind of shaping up to be a done deal now. So I've really come around on the idea that he is leaving. And now where the gray area is are all the things you've kind of touched on. Why and what's the price and is this going to be good business for West Ham? And I think you know that's where a lot of the discussion comes in is on all those other factors outside of what he does on the pitch this weekend notwithstanding. Anything to add to that, Jeremiah? 
Yeah, I think uh, my initial reaction, I was like probably most West Ham fans is, uh, you know, maybe shock, depression, kind of like the, you know, the it's whatever, the seven signs of depression type of deal where you kind of, <laughs> at first you ignore it and then you're depressed about it. And then you, you know, it, at first, you know, I think that was the case. Then kind of anger set in. I was like, this is going to happen again. Um, you know, initial anger. And then really when I sat down and thought about it, it is, you know, uh, and I saw a bunch of different polls out there. Like, you know, how do you feel? Is this just football? Is, are you mad? Whatever it is. I think eventually when I got around to it, like it is just football to an extent, to a small extent, because I think we all put way too much time into this game and it's turned into a hobby and maybe even a lifestyle. But um, I think that initially, you know, like you said, I didn't know if it was real, but I was kind of angry about it just because how his brother is. Uh, but with the new proposed 45 uh, million pounds come down, it's going to be tough for West Ham to say no. I know they value him at 50, but with everything going on and and all that, it almost seemed like it might be a solid deal for them to finally just like, you know, all right, let's move this on and press on. And like I talked about in the previous segment, you know, the fact that he came out this week with everything going on the way it was and just pressed on and gave 110%. And he maybe not look like himself. He might have, like we said, more whining and kind of more um, just not getting everything going the way he wanted to. But the fact that he's still coming out and playing, he hasn't shut down like a certain uh, you know player did a couple years ago for us that wanted to leave. I think, you know, um, <laughs> a lot of things have just uh, been changing. But now, like you said, Jeff, I'm kind of in that mode of like, you know, I think maybe now it is a done deal. Maybe now we let him go, we get the money, and we build for the future. And I think I think the thing that we, you you bring up and you're alluding to Pae when he left in January a couple of years ago, and it was such oh. a gutting thing. I think for a lot of people, first of all, it kind of came out of left field. And I think the other thing that I think about now versus then, and of course hindsight is twenty twenty, because at the time I loved. Slavin Bilic. He uh -huh. was just beginning to lose his hold on the club when that happened. And that was really the beginning of the end for Slav, in my opinion. But the, what I feel about it now is I feel because of Pellegrini and the structure that he has in place, both in dealing with the board and the backroom staff and with the team that we've put together on the pitch, I think we're much, much more capable of managing through the situation as West Ham and dealing with it on the pitch and and the ripple effect that we'll have behind the scenes under Pellegrini than we were under Slavin Bilic. And so I think in that regard, I'm not nearly as depressed now as I was then. Maybe I'm not as depressed now also because I've been through this once with a key player, our best player. And so I'm, I'm kind of a little bit used to it. That morning, I remember when that famous press conference happened, I was just like stunned. I couldn't believe it. And I've been around. We have a problem. Yeah, we have a problem <laughs> club with a player. His name is, it is Dimitri Payet. And we're like, oh my gosh. Bill I don't feel like that he was going to die. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think I think that's a credit to Pellegrini. It's also a credit to where we are. And, you know, to a lesser extent, Jeremiah, you're right. I mean, Pae was something was definitely wrong with that club all through the fall. We just didn't know what it was at the time. You could tell there was something wrong here. I don't feel that we're just coming off our stretch in December where we put up 15 points in the month. And I think you can make the case um, Saturday that the game just didn't go his way. and He didn't get enough of the ball. And that's true. He could also still be fighting. He, he's not been healthy. What? In months mm -hmm. so the fact that he's out there playing and he's probably not healthy i think also could speak to the fact that you know he wasn't as involved as he'd been earlier in the in the year i don't think necessarily it's because all this stuff is getting to him and then you know everybody's trying to read into the double hand wave after the match and all this stuff and who knows i mean what what all that stuff means i just think the point is 
the long point is that I think we're better equipped to deal with this uh, both on the field and off with Pellegrini in charge than we were two years ago for a variety of reasons. And and I think 45 or 50 million is good business when the player's 29 and we bought them for 25 million and we got everything uh-huh. out of them that we could. I don't think we should invest that money in January. I think we should hold on to that and invest it in the summer. I think January becomes a stopgap to replace the player both internally and externally with a loan or a transfer that doesn't cost a bunch of money that we'll get into here in a second. But I think it provides us with opportunities and the, and the club's in a much better position to manage through this for the next five months than it was two years ago. Yeah, I uh, guys, I think you, you nailed the you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, and it, it's it's important to to sort of see this balance of okay, he's 29 years old, uh, going to be 30 years old shortly, and he is probably past the prime in his career. It sucks that Stoke wasted it playing him as a left midfielder rather than seeing his nose for the net and putting him up front. He's had a terrific season and a half for West Ham, um, but he's a depreciating asset. It's like driving a car. As soon as you take it off the lot, you're losing money on it. And as soon as you hit a player, see a player hit 30, you're going to start losing money on them. So, um it's also important to note that Stoke have that 20% sell-on uh, clause for Arnautovic. And something I saw today, I think it was from Dan Lawless of uh, West Ham Fan TV. So shout out to him. Uh, he's been fighting the good fight uh, with his opinions on, on Twitter uh, regarding uh, Arnautovic being sold or not and the, the rumors of who's going to be brought in. So he's uh, not backing down from that as we expect a good West Ham boy to, to, to stand up for what he believes in. Uh, and uh, he said uh, he's being told that um, the 20% sell-on is of profit made. So West Ham would be protected, basically, the 20% would come off of the extra, if they sold them for 50 million, 20% of 25 million, because they, they don't get any uh, any percentage cut off of the initial 25. So it's just 20% off of profits made, which would shrink whatever uh, the total sell-on would be. So if it's 50 million, it would be 5 million left, is what they would send to Stoke. Stoke is a team that would direly need this money. Apparently, they uh-huh. are in financial shambles right now. Um, and uh, to their supporters who said that, uh, you know, we're getting what we deserve. Uh, here, take this uh, donation from us to you and have fun in League One next year. Uh, but, yeah, uh, how are they doing in the championship? Yeah, yeah it was a tough <laughs> league, you know. Uh, yeah. So so there's a lot of different bits to sort of finagle here. It seems like he's all but off. Um, like you had said, uh, Jeremiah uh, Noble had said, when he's if as long as he's here with the with the shirt on, he's going to play as hard as hard as he can for West Ham. Antonio basically said um, that he's going to be off. Uh, <laughs> God, you can always you can always go to Antonio for a soundbite when it comes to uh, to the team. I, I love his honesty. If I'm if I'm if I'm being honest, so um, there's a lot going on here. Um, but I think we can all agree. I would be surprised if he was still in in uh, West Ham's team come Saturday. Do you guys think he'll be around for the Bournemouth match? No, I don't. And I think that's because he'll either be consummated by then or it'll be some kind of weird thing. If they know he's going and he knows he's going, they can't keep putting him out there because they can't risk the injury. Exactly. So it would be one of those things where he picks up a knock in training. It's something mysterious where he has to sit on the side and – I think I, I would not expect to see him on Saturday. No, Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. I think we gotta if they are selling them, we gotta press on. Them, we gotta find uh, who's gonna be out there for the majority of the time. Who's that next person to kind of finish out the year for us? Whatever that looks like from internal, from alone. I don't think any transfer, like actual transfer, transfer will happen, but or should happen. But I know we're gonna get into that. But 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I think he's on or was on vacation. I don't know if you guys following him on Instagram off or to Vienna. any of that stuff. Yeah, he's off to Vienna. So all the people freaking out about him being in the airport. You know, that's where he was going. Guilty. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, Ogbonna went off things. to Italy too, so he he updated <laughs> yeah. updated that. So um, for for the sake of time, we can sort of, I guess we can all agree that he's going to be off um, most likely by the end of this week, but by the end of January for sure. Um, I think well, the the matches West Ham have coming up, uh, it'd be you know especially against Bournemouth, a great time to put someone like Zonda Silva up front or someone like uh, Mikel Antonio up front for the first hour and slip on Zonda Silva for the for the last thirty minutes to see what you have in house. Is Silva someone you can trust in the first team? How does he look against Premier League defenders? Um, you know he he played well against Birmingham, but again that's a Championship side, and we just took a dump on Stoke for being in that that lesser league. So let's see how he looks against you know Steve Cook and Nathan Ake, who are some some solid defenders Premier League wise. Um, now we all like to get out our crystal balls, and uh, you know none of us are necessarily future seers or uh, you know can see the future at all. But let's talk replacements for Arnautovic, and I'm just gonna list off. The ones that are on the top of my head here. Um, some have already gone. Some are not likely. Some probably won't happen. Some maybe are likely. Who knows? But we have uh, Mitchie Batshuayi, Edin Dzeko, uh, Jovic, um, Maxi Gomez, Alexander Mitrovic. Um, who else do we have that's, that are first-team players here? It, there's there's so many that are being linked. Um, Marega from Porto. Um there seems to be a near endless list. Uh, so with that being said, West Ham are probably going to take a little bit of a haircut on this deal based off of having to give a few mil to Stoke. And also because they don't necessarily have all of the, um, all of the bargaining power in this situation. Uh, Arnautovic apparently needs to go. So you do give, it's not in losing as much in, as, as the uh, Dimitri Payet saga. Uh, who should have went for twice, if not more, than what he did? Um, but uh, they 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 do you know lose a little bit of the high ground in the, the negotiations. So, um, who do you think is a prime target to to sort of replace Arnautovic now? Um, do you see a it, it being a good time to invest in someone? Callum Wilson's another person who's been linked. Um, is it wise to invest now? What should the plan look like to replacing him? If no. Um, just give us your general thoughts here, uh, Jeremiah. I'll I'll seed this one to you first, and, and have you give uh, give your thoughts. But what do you think the solution is at striker in January for West Ham? Well, I think first thing with uh, Callum Wilson didn't. I mean, maybe tell me if I'm wrong, but didn't I see something where they were putting they kind of valued him at like a sixty or seventy million pounds? Seventy five million, which 75. is twenty five times what they bought him for. And isn't he? What is he? Twenty eight. Yeah, with the double knee replacement or double uh, yeah. ACL tears. Yeah, so I, I'm going to stay away from that one. Currently out injured. Um, <laughs> yeah, currently out injured. Um, I'm going to stay away from that one, and I'm kind of I'm going to take a, a sidestep from what I normally do, where I talk about bringing new people in, bringing transfers in, where I think that we got to look internally. Um, you already mentioned Zande Silva. Man, I'm telling you guys, the dude is he's going to be legit. I think you know, obviously not. You know, a magician. I can't see into a crystal ball, but he's got the skills. They're there. They just need to be worked on and need to, you know, game time has to be there. I think with him up front or even Antonio up front, you know, you have to change your game plan a little bit from when he had Arnautovic up there. But, you know, I, I think he can do it. 
Um, I already mentioned to you guys before we started recording, but I'm going to throw it out there as unpopular opinion. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea to bring Jordan Hugel back, at least until Chicharito is fully healthy and with the fact that Perez might be on the way out the door too. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on Hugel besides the uh, blowing bobbles. But, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop but, you there just for a comment right. on you. But, but how many times, and again, I've already said this, I love Slav, but how many, Robert Snodgrass comes immediately to mind. Uh, but how many guys did we see under Slav and then Moyes, who, like Jordan Hugel, who didn't do anything, didn't get a chance, and then all of a sudden, under Pellegrini's system or coaching or whatever, a manager's job is to coach these players up. So right. what, Jordan Hugel's not worth another look-see? Robert Snodgrass sure was. Why not? What do we have to lose? He's already our property. And I think, too, you look at, I mean, Rice was good last year, right? I think Rice has taken a step forward even more now under Pellegrini. So, yeah, I mean, who knows what will happen, but I do think it would be a nice cover to have to have somebody else back there take the remaining whatever we'd end up getting off of the cut, um, you know, like you said, $5 million less than whatever it is we're going to sell them for, and take that and invest it into somebody next year, somebody younger, someone that where the price isn't going to be vamped up right now because it is January and people need players. You know what's funny to me? Everyone's like, oh, January is such a bad time to do business. Everything's overpriced. Our Like our last two sellings in January are going to be West Ham getting fleeced for their best players in each time. So everything <laughs> goes opposite in the West Ham world. Is, is fleeced though, really? Sorry? I said, do you think $45 million, If it, Let's just say it's $45 million, $50 million, It's whatever. less than what he's worth and the, the sort of – it's less than what he's worth, and then the sort of uh, adage about January is that players are always go for an inflated value. Yeah, th- yeah. That, but I think I think forty-five or fifty million's good business in this case, in my opinion. I, it's double what we paid for the guy, and I think you know value is a funny thing. Value is only what you can get teams to pay. I right? also think if you're paying him three hundred k a week, um, that money comes off the top of the deal. So maybe he's worth fifty-five million, but they're like, listen, we're going to give you fifty, and the other five is going to pay his salary for the remainder of his. Of his time as a, a Shanghai, whatever their team name is. So whatever they are, yeah. Um, so I let me know what you guys think about this. This is my plan for West Ham. Now, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, um, X sort of uh, tipped his his hand and said, "West Ham, I've been watching a striker in the Championship at Brentford. His name's Neil Maupay. Maupay, M A U P A Y. He's 22 years old. He's French. He's also Uruguayan, I believe." Um, so, or sorry, Argentinian. So that's where you get your South American links to uh, Pellegrini, who again has a, a good scouting network for South American and European players. So he checks both boxes. 22 years old, center forward. He has a goal record this season uh, of uh, 15 goals and six assists in 25 matches in the championship. And he's added uh, one goal in one game in the FA Cup. Um, his value right now on transfer market, which tends to be a little bit low, is 5 million euros. I would say West Ham probably have to pay around a Jordan Hugel fee of eight to 10 million pounds to pick him up, especially in January. Um, but he's a player that's very interesting to me because he is an athlete. He's not, a, he's not so small. He's, he's, he's not Chicharito size. He, he's not Arnautovic or Andy Carroll size. That's for sure. Um, so he, he comes in, ah, he's five, seven. So he's pretty little. Um, but, uh, you look at a guy like Aguero, who we've talked about before, short and stocky, sort of get the job done by being physical. Um, scoring that many goals doesn't come by by accident. And he's also young. So he's, you can invest in him. You can sort of see how he works out. But, uh, Jeff, you had said you don't think West Ham should really make any brash decisions in January, right? 
Yeah, I think, and I think what you're describing is something right along those lines. It's going to be a relatively low investment. It's going to be low risk. Uh, but I think that the money, rather than have to do something, and heck, for all I know, they could have been planning for this for months, and we're just now hearing about it come mm -hmm. December, January. But, yeah, my point is, let's not be rash. Let's not take you know the jump on a guy like Callum Wilson for a ridiculous amount of money who's <laughs> older. Let's try, let's invest uh -huh. in a loan or someone who's younger. And, I mean, you mentioned all these guys. Bat shuey has been linked with the club forever. He's not coming here. Mitrovic I would be really interested in. He's but young. I think the more— yeah, he's young, and I mean, gosh, talk about a talk about a beast uh, and a physical player. I, and I think what Jeremiah brought up, and I think the way that they tend to go is, I think they're going to look at this internally. And so, the thing about moving Antonio up front is he's played there before, and boy, talk about a guy who has just become Mister Utility Man. And if he starts being the regular center forward or part of a center forward striker pair, I mean, he that'll be like his third or fourth position he's played for us. Yep. But if you look at that, he doesn't have the skill that Arnautovic has, and we've all documented that on uh, GreenStreetHammers.com and on this podcast. But what I like about that move is he's already here, but then what you're doing is you're opening up a spot on the wing. Dean Gunn and Snodgrass. Dean Gunn and Snodgrass, totally. And I, and I think and because Nasri, we're assuming, is going to keep his place. And then if Chicharito gets healthy, and who knows what his illnesses has, have been these last several months, but you've got him, you have Zande Silva, who we mentioned. Look, we still have Lucas Perez. And, and our fifth choice is Andy Carroll, and I mean, I'm definitely not in favor of starting him and look, not because it's Andy Carroll and all the Brett. That's just not just, the style of football we're playing. Exactly, right? that's feasible. Yeah. They, still a, that's five guys we just listed that we have on the club right now that can file in and, and play for Arnautovic. Are they going to be the same level? Well, no, not really. But we have depth at this club like we haven't had in the last couple of years, and I think that's where they go. Uh, to look, and then you take the 25 or 50 or 30 or whatever million profit you make off Arnie alone, and then the other transfer business that you do when you have all this time to scout and you go find other players in the summer. That's how I think they should approach it. I think that's probably what they will do, but I'm not opposed to them doing some sort of a minor deal or even a Jordan Hugel callback or the player you mentioned from Brentford. Sure, that's all great. I'm opposed to dropping taking a $25 million profit and dropping all that 25, 30 or 40 million on a guy right now. Yeah. And yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying to, to almost a complete extent there. And I think if you look at the team right now, how it stands in the striker depth, uh, you have Marco Arnautovic, who's going to be gone. You have Andy Carroll expiring contract. Chicharito wants to leave. Lucas Perez probably gone this month, if not by the summer that leaves you at striker with Zonda Silva in the team. I think this summer is going to be a massive, more than last summer, overhaul of what the team looks like. You're going to have a, a drilled in uh, a drilled in formation, and it's probably going to be between a 4-2-3-1 and a 4-2-2-2-2. Um, and you're going to need to fill that out with some solid strikers. But with the, you know, the flippantness of how Pellegrini plays his formations, you have players like... Felipe Anderson, he's played striker before. He's played left forward before. You have players like uh, Sande Silva, who plays played as a left and right winger before as well. Mikel Antonio, striker, right winger, right midfielder, right back. Um, he's played, you know, in a false nine. He he's he's good in the air with his head, so he, he gives you a lot of options. You're seeing these players who have added value with their positional uh, variants. Uh, also, uh, the forgotten man, 
uh, Andre Yarmolenko. He's played at striker before, and he's had success at striker before, and he's a tall guy. Tall, mm-hmm. and he dangles. He gets in the box, and if you put him, Dipsy Dangling, with, with Nazri or Lanzini passing the ball in tight space, for a huge gangly guy, he's great with his feet. So um, you're going to sort of see this team shift in the summer, and I think I've Jeff. I'm going to give you the credit. You've talked me out of a big uh, splash in, in <laughs> January here, but invest in these guys like Maupay, who's smaller. Or I've talked about that guy, Maximin uh, Pierre Maximin something or Saint Maximin. Uh, he's out in OG Nice right OGC Nice right now. Um, he's small, plays the right wing, but also plays striker. Get these players in that are young. They're high. They're low risk, high reward type of players. And guys, you can build the future of the team around. Insulate them with your older guys. If you want to bring back Carroll on a, you know, pay-as-you-play contract, if you, you know, there's things you can do to insulate that team. But yeah, I, I think that's what it's going to be. Jeremiah, I, I, I choked you out there. I'll let you go ahead and get your your words in here. No, you're good. I don't, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I'm going to pose this question at least for the three of us. You know, we're on the other this side of the pond, if you will. Do you think uh, we ever get skewed kind of because where we live, you know, all of our sports, our professional sports are more dynasty. There's no relegation up and down type of battles. So you see a lot of times people building from the inside, people building from young to old. I think a lot of times that's why I get stuck. I'm like, yeah, let's just start young. Let's build from within. I don't know if you guys have opinions on that or thoughts on that. I still think in the long term that's better because – especially for a club like West Ham. If you're talking about a big six, they got all the money in the world. It's ridiculous what they can pay. But I think a club like ours has to be smarter with those investments. And I don't care, you know, you're right. It's different in America, North America, the way the structure's set up. But I think it's still smart for teams to invest in their own because let's face it, a guy like Declan Rice who comes up through your academy who can be one of your best players you're getting him on the cheap because he's not on 100k a week even with his new contract i've heard he's on 40 or 50 and so it's much more affordable now to control him and to control his wages for the next several years than have to go find a free agent who's 10 years older or eight years older than him and pay him twice as much as what he's making it just makes it allows more flexibility then for when you do have a position of need like striker, like Adam laid out where we are, we're going to have to overhaul some of those things. We have two key players coming back from injury. We don't know how those guys are going to respond uh, in Yarmolenko and Lanzini. So I think if you have that flexibility because you've brought some players along through your academy or that you've signed as younger players on lower wages, um, that can take a bite out of your team. It allows you to have the financial flexibility later on to do other things. Yeah, and uh, something I... I, I want to bring up here as well and see your guys thoughts on it as far as West Ham and transfers are related. Um, we've been linked uh, with John Joe Shelby, but that move seems to be hinging upon Pedro Obiang leaving uh, West Ham have confirmed by Sam Incursol today, uh, turned down a bit of 10 million euros uh, from Florentina, Fiorentina, sorry, uh, of Syria in Italy. Um, great move, power move by West Ham. I think Obiang wants to go. I think he's going to be gone, but, Seven and a half, eight million pounds is not enough for a 26 year old international playing. He's now with Equatorial Guinea, I believe, instead of Spain. But uh, a 26 year old international who, by all rights, just hasn't pushed his way into a team and 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 pushed Mark Noble out of a spot is is good business to shut down that bid. I think if they get it to 10 million pounds, which should be around 12 to 13 million euros, uh, you see this deal go through. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on Obiang leaving, and uh, what do you think about uh, Shelby as a possible replacement for him? Yeah. I've always liked. I've, oh, sorry, go ahead. 
No, no, I was gonna say I, I like Obiang. I've always liked him, uh, but you're right, Adam. He, does, he doesn't get into the into the starting eleven, and um, you do see him come on whenever you know Noble is getting tired or, or they need to replace him with somebody else. But I do think you need to get at least ten or eleven. I'm glad to see that they turned that down. I think that uh, old West Ham probably would have took it. You know, we need the money. We're gonna take the money and, and let's let's get it and press on. But I do, if we do get rid of him when he goes, I do like the idea and the prospect of Shelby. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how he fits in there. But uh, if there is going to be anybody that we do actually sign on a transfer and uh, get full time with the club, I'd like to see him. I agree. I've always liked John Joe Shelby, and he's been he's another one who was rumored to come to the club over the summer. Like, as we're linked with every midfielder across all five <laughs> leagues. Um, but I, but I think he would be a great fit. I think he's an upgrade from Obiang. I think he would he would be a guy that would push his way into the club's midfield. And how different would this midfield look? Okay, because so our best midfield a month ago was Snodgrass, Rice, and Noble. And I didn't hear, obviously, what y'all said about the match in the first segment, but what if our best midfield now moving forward is Declan Rice, John Joe Shelby, and Samir Nasri? Holy cow, what a transformation that would be. And, you know, I'm not to put too much expectation on Nasri after one match, but in the two matches he's played, he's looked pretty dang salty, and it's it's been an upgrade there. But I think that would be good business. Uh, Obiang, to me, is a guy. He's had his moments. He's had moments where, for a stretch, he's looked really, really strong, and it perhaps was our best midfielder, best holding midfielder. But he's just not been able to sustain that over a long period of time under several managers, and I think that that speaks to his ability. Yeah, and and what Shelby offers uh, is not dissimilar to that of Obiang. Obiang's biggest thing is that he's a really good tackler. Um, that being said, the league tends to be going a little bit more on the ball carrier side as the years go on. So um, you're going to have to have someone who offers more than just tackling. And John Joe Shelby can pick out a pass really well. And him getting the ball to Nazari is sort of that one-two punch through the midfield that West Ham have been missing, that sort of consciousness in the middle, something that makes them not hollow. You have it on the defensive side with Rice, uh, and you have it on the sort of spiritual side almost with uh, with Noble. Um but now to have one of those players who can offer you physicality, I mean, Shelby's been known to go cleats up into someone's leg for a red card just because he felt like it. So you get that grit and that edge with him too. Um, but I, I I do like him. I also think he's he's only 26 years old. I mean, he's younger than Jack Wilshere. So he's English. He's from uh, Romford, I believe. So just outside of, of East London, he's been a West Ham fan his whole life. His family's West Ham supporters. So um by all accounts, you know, that's a good move. And, you know, with the, I think there's changes coming to the homegrown policy next season or the year after. So um, get your English players in now before they get too inflated. And if they can check extra boxes, like I had just outlined there, he can play that defensive role, central, or he can play a more attacking style. Why not? There's no downside to it. If you're paying, if you flip Obiang for 10 million pounds and you have to pay an extra three to five on top of that for a 26 year old English player, um, I, I would do that just based off of, I think, the competition it would add to the team. And, again, another person to add to that British core um, that, that David Gold said the club aspires to have. Um, yeah. Any any, any other think, words here, guys? Jeff, well, go ahead. I think, I think what you said there, too, it's interesting as you talk about the, the flexibility across all the positions that Pellegrini seems to want in the club. Shelby fits the bill to a T. Mm, absolutely. He truly does. He truly does. And uh I know I've joked about Shelby before, and I don't know if we have any Harry Potter fans that listen to this. Voldemort. You all have Voldemort, man. Yeah. He's an interesting-looking dude, but, man, the guy can play football. So I would take him. I would welcome him for sure. <laughs> 
Um, all right, guys, we, we've run long in this one, but that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break here from this 30-minute middle segment, and uh, we'll come back to do a quick preview of the Born With match upcoming. All right, we're back for segment three here. Uh, take two of segment three. I unplugged my mic, and that scrambled everything up for us there, but we're only a minute in, so that's fine. Um, segment three, as I was saying, is uh, our preview for the upcoming match for West Ham. That's Bournemouth, and that is uh, a team that is sitting four spaces below them in the table. West Ham are at ninth with 31 points. Bournemouth 12th, uh, 27 points, although their goal differential is pretty atrocious at 11 under. Uh, Wolves just lost, uh, who sit in 11th, and they uh, just lost 3 nothing to City. So West Ham are sort of in an okay spot right now. A win would see them uh, move to potentially 7th, uh, just outside of the top six, obviously but uh, outside of those favored top six teams. Uh, and it would see uh, Bournemouth sort of shrivel down a little bit lower. Um, as it stands right now, Bournemouth are coming off of a 2-0 loss to Everton. That match was, the, apparently the rain and wind were awful in it. The rain, you could see the wind apparently was making things tough to, to read for players. So um, it was a 2-0 loss. Uh, the second goal came late just as Bournemouth were sort of committing to that attack. But um a very close game. Uh, it wasn't pretty, but um, it, it was a pretty solid match. Um, Jeff, if I were to say to you, Bournemouth, it scares West Ham because, how would you end that sentence? Because they're tough to play against and they're just gritty. That's fair. That's fair. Jeremiah, what are your thoughts? Do you have a, I would something say, that fears? Yeah, I, w- I would say Eddie Howe. Uh, just... As a manager, the dude is uh, solid. I think I feel like a lot of times he does have solid, uh, just tactics and uh, and form coming in. People like to play for him, so yeah, I'm always a little afraid of him. Yeah, I I, I agree. I I'm going to go with um, Ryan Fraser. Uh, that guy is a electric player. I think he's he's really really exciting. Uh, I think a minute and a half into the game, he sent a cross in, and the kick got scuffed. And then seven minutes in, he sent across again low and it got Josh King caught him by surprise and uh, Jordan Pickford came out to scoop it up before he could get a good shot away but in the in the space of seven minutes he had two great crosses in the box and, and was looking dangerous early that'll be Zabaleta's job to mark him so something I think um, that, that's he's really the player to circle I think on that team um, as far as Bournemouth go this season they started really strong they, they ended up taking a win away from us uh, early in the season we were up at home uh, and they ended up stealing that game back. But their team's interesting. They have a West Ham graduate junior, Stanislas, on their team. Uh, they just picked up Nathaniel Klein. Uh, they also picked up for a ridiculous uh, $19 million mm-hmm. fee, Dominic Solanke, on a permanent deal from Chelsea. Or sorry, from uh, Liverpool. So they're an interesting side, but they don't have Callum Wilson Wilson, sorry, in the team. Uh, he's currently injured, but he also is linked with Chelsea at West Ham as well. Um, does this team offer as much as uh, as much as they do when Calcium, Callum Wilson, sorry, merge the name there, uh, <laughs> when Calcium is not in the team? Do they have a, do, are they as scary without Wilson? No, not not in the least. They're not. But they just to Jeremiah's point, Eddie Howe figures out a way to get it done. And if you just look at the recent history over the last couple of years, West Ham cannot beat this club. No matter what the situation is, it ends up being if we're lucky, a draw or. As you mentioned, we take the lead in a match earlier in this year, and then we give up two within a span of about 10 minutes, and we and we find a way to lose these matches. That's why I think they're just tough for us to play against, and they're a tough side. And and I think, yeah, they won't have that goal-scoring firepower without him, but I think you know, we're going to have our work cut out for us. Yeah, I agree, Jeff, what you said. The, the last time we played each other, what an embar- I felt like it was an embarrassment. 
I feel yeah. like obviously it was a, uh, a much different West Ham side than we are now. Mm-hmm. I think that was what week two. Um, so <laughs> we've had some uh, some distance unders, but yeah, what an embarrassment that match was. You know, they have uh, Josh King up there, which I like Josh King. He's yep. young, um, but I think he's got a lot to, to still kind of grow on. So hopefully, um, and my thought is with the side that we have right now, going against them might be what's able to kind of break this kind of awful streak that we've had against them. Uh, and it, it is a lot of Eddie Howe. It's just a lot of how they play. When you look at teams like Bournemouth and you look at other teams and you can almost throw Brighton in there sometimes and you can definitely throw uh, probably Wolves in there and, and Burnley for certain, um, maybe more last year. But not a lot of big names, but they can just play together and they know how to pick out a pass. They know how to pass themselves and they just have that team mentality. So I think that's kind of the biggest struggle, but we got we have to have some type of fight back from, especially from how we played on week two. Yeah, and, and West Ham is always typically a club that plays down or up to the level of its uh-huh. competition. See this past Saturday against Arsenal. See the game earlier this year against Man U. And then, as you mentioned, I mean, the one that always jumps out at me, Huddersfield Town this year, Brighton this year, Burnley, Burnley this year, Burnley this year. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> now, fair play in December. The club took all the points they were expected to take, and and that's you know what I'm expecting to see. As you mentioned, we've definitely turned the corner since uh, the first four weeks of this campaign. And so let's go out there and, and show that on Saturday. Put the distractions with Arnie and the rest behind and go win a football game. Yeah, I, I also think they have um, two players for different reasons that are also exciting outside of Frazier and, and King. Uh, Brooks, uh, their their center their center midfielder David Brooks. They they picked him up out of the championship last year. He is an excellent player, uh, one who's really quick, cuts inside well. He can shoot the ball like a, a, a son of a gun. Uh, and also their left back. Uh, I don't know too much about him, but uh, great name on him, Adam Smith. You can't disagree with a, with a name like that. <laughs> it's classic. It's English. I, I appreciate that. Um, but let's jump into our combined eleven now. This is where we sort of merge the teams and see who would make it uh, in a in a formation that sort of suits both sides. So um, let's play let's play the formation that they have right now um, that they played with last week. Anyways, that was a four four one one, and West Ham sort of play in a similar formation, I guess we can say. Um, let's start with keeper Begovic or uh, Lucas Fabianski. Who are you picking and why? Jeff, I'll start with you. No-brainer. Fabianski, nobody's made more saves in the Premier League than him. He's been our number one signing of the summer, despite everybody else we signed, and you can make a case that he's going to be hammer of the year. Jeremiah? Yeah, Fabianski, and if I had to have a number two, I'd probably put Adrian up there, too. So, Ooh, but interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shots fired. But, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> Fab- Fabianski. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you there. Make it a clean sweep. Um, we'll go to right back. Uh, Pablo 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 Zabaleta or Nathaniel Klein, the recent loanee from Liverpool. Jeff, that's oh gosh, I'm on the spot. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Zabaleta just because of all the intangibles he brings, despite his age. Uh, the play in the match against Arsenal where it was a heavy pass and he ran his legs off to try to <laughs> beat it to the goal line. Yep. Didn't get there, but it's like, okay, this guy still has that gear at times. Yeah, you got to protect him. You got to keep him, uh, you know, you got to keep him healthy and keep him fit and rested. But yeah, I'm just going to give him the nod because of the intangibles he brings. Jeremiah? Yeah, I got to go with Zabaleta. Um, it's tough because I like Klein a lot. I wanted Klein at the beginning of this transfer window. Uh, it's a shame to see him go off somewhere else, but yeah, I think uh, just because 
you know, coming into a new side for Klein. And sometimes you don't know how that's going to play out. I'm going to have to go Zabaleta. Yeah, I'm. it's a tough one. I agree with you, Jeremiah. Like, I, I was keen on him joining, but now that Fredericks is apparently back and healthy, then mm. that sort of puts that to rest. But Klein, I think, like you said, the unpredictable, unpredictableness of coming to a new team. So is he going to try to overextend and overplay himself to try and make an impression? Or is he going to uh, have one of those stellar you know, new manager type performances. I don't know, but I'll take Zabaleta for being a, a solid, uh, you know what you're getting every game from him sort of right back. Um, center back pairing here. I think I know who we're going to take. Uh, we, we picked two out of the four options here. Issa Diop, Angelo Ogbonna, Steve Cook, or Nathan Ake. Uh, Jeff, who do you want to take at, for your center back pairing? Well, Issa Diop is number one. Angelo Ogbonna is number four, and I'll take either of the other two guys to pair with Diop. <laughs> no love. Hey, no he love. had a good game last week, but he if did. you're looking he at him a on a hole. That's right. He's had his moments, um, but I think, you know, and if we had Belbuena in our lineup, I, w- I would take us a Diop and Belbuena over these two guys, although, like you mentioned, Steve Cook is solid, a good pro. He's, he's tough, um, but I, I just think that's how those four stack up. Jeremiah? Yeah, I'm going to obviously go with Diop, and then it's a tough one between Ake and Cook. Uh, both solid. I probably I think I might actually go with Cook just because wow. of just the – I mean, I don't know how old he is. I feel like he's been around for – I feel like ever. Yeah, but, he's got to be like uh, 28 at least. Let's yeah. look here. Go he's ahead. He's solid continue. though. Yeah, super solid. Uh, he seemed – I feel like we always struggle against him too. Yeah, he and, scored uh, against not us. That, not that Ake is not good or anything, but I just I would think uh, for this matchup I would take Cook. Yeah, I uh, I think that you guys are overlooking Nathan Ake. I think um, he's going to be a player that leaves this club, whether it be this summer or next summer, for a big money value. Um, I think he's going to also play a pretty integral role at uh, possibly at center back for Netherlands beside Virgil Van Dijk if uh, De Vrij out of uh, Inter doesn't step up. Um, but this kid is special. Uh, he's quick. He's good in the air. He's got great, great dreadlocks. Uh, he's great hair. Great hair on yeah. him. Yeah, uh, I think I would take him. I think a lot of people would take him first out of the four center backs. Uh, those who don't follow West Ham as well. Um, left back. Are we going to take Adam Smith or are we going to take uh, Aaron Cresswell? Careful wow. what you say here, okay, guys. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Cresswell has been playing better. He's he's had his best stretch of play probably in the last eighteen months. Uh, and this is a West Ham podcast, not a Burnmouth podcast. So we're I'm taking Aaron Cresswell. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect to the name, but uh, I love Aaron Cresswell. I'm glad to see he's playing good again. Uh, you got to ride the hot streak. Yeah, uh, Adam Smith's back from injury. He played well against uh, against Everton. Um, I think he's the more talented of the two players. Uh, he certainly has the better name. Uh, I'm going to take Adam Smith there for no reason other than Thank he has goodness. the same name. Yes. Uh, if you didn't, we would be would be wondering what the problem was. I think you, you have could, to. You could flip a coin on on this one, and whoever started, you you wouldn't really notice. Um, all right, let's go right mid. Uh, for West Ham, you have the uh, – let's let's give the starter from last week some love. On the right side, it was Mikel Antonio or Junior Stanislas. Jeff, what are you saying? Uh, Junior Stanislas, just because I have Mikel Antonio slotted despite the fact that he's been playing better, I just have him slotted. He's he's just not my kind of player. Jeremiah? I'm going to – I'm going to go keep rolling on the hot streak. I'm going to pretend we're at the casino uh, with, with Antonio. 
I think that uh, he's really come into form. I guess he's been listening to our podcast and how we've slated him. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's exactly it. So I'm going to go with him. If I if I offered Grady D in Ghana as an option or Robert Snodgrass, would that change any of your minds? No. No. Okay, because I think that we can maybe pencil in Antonio as the striker for this match, um, but we'll see how that plays out. I am going to say Stanislas. Um, he's an academy graduate. Come on, guys. West Ham connection. Uh, yep. you know, I just think he's more of a creative player than Antonio. Um, but again, you do lose power and speed when you don't play Antonio. So it's a again, it's a close one. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, central the midfield. Fans behind, the fans behind the West Ham goal also lose uh, their opportunity to catch the ball as he fires <laughs> thirty. Yeah, less souvenirs. Them. Less souvenirs without Antonio in the lineup. That's for sure. Uh, all right, central midfield duo pairing, uh, if you will. Uh, we'll go holding slash central, not attacking. And for uh, Bournemouth, they have Jefferson Lerma and Gosling. And for West Ham, Declan Rice and Mark Noble. I will go first here. I will say, if I'm going objectively into this, Declan Rice first, about 10 different spaces in between. And then I'll put Lerma, and then I'll put Noble and Gosling at the end. Lerma's pretty good. Um, international guy, Colombian international, I believe. So um, I'll take him. He looked actually pretty solid against Everton as well. But Rice is miles ahead. Jeff, what do you think? Totally agree with everything you just said. Awesome. Jeremiah? Yeah, no got no no change there. All right. Um, now, this is interesting because I think if both teams' best players, uh, we'll take out Declan Rice here, both teams' best, best players are their left midfielders slash wingers. Uh, for Bournemouth, that's Ryan Fraser. For West Ham, that's Felipe Anderson. Jeremiah, let's let you get the first crack here. Um, which of these two linchpins of the of the offense are you taking in this match? It's tough. I, I feel like it's so tough because Ryan Fraser is scary. He'd probably be in the number two list of most terrified people on that team. But, you know, Felipe Anderson, I don't want to discredit him at all. I mean, either I feel like recently he's either had a really good match or an okay match. I haven't seen anything poor out of him lately. No. Um, but Frazier, there, gosh, there's just something. I think, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to piss off any fans, but I might go with Frazier. Hey, and we're also picking a player just for one match based on yeah, like power rankings yeah. almost. So I will say that Felipe Anderson maybe had his best defensive game against Arsenal. He was, mm-hmm. he was back all the time. So mm-hmm. there's that to build on. But yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer in this pick. Uh, I, I'm going to say Felipe Anderson just because I'm not a Bournemouth fan like you, Jeremiah. Jeff, what do you have to say? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll, I'll get look at it a little bit more analytical. I'm thinking, okay, for one match here, if you looked at Burma's side and you take Frazier out, it's a huge, it's a huge massive, miss. And now massive. Anderson, mm-hmm. Anderson, if we lost Anderson, we couldn't play him for this match. Yeah, we would feel it, but we would slot in Diangana. We'd slot in Snodgrass. We haven't even talked about Nasri. Mazuaku. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. So I think I'll say Frazier also. All right, and uh, attacking midfielder for West Ham, this would be our new favorite player, Samir Nazri. And for Bournemouth, it would be uh, Brooks. And Jeremiah, again, I'll let you have the first crack here. Who are you taking? I'm going to ride with Nazri. Uh, just overall, like we were talking about before, his passing ability, he can go back and get the ball if it's not if it's not playing fast. Um, and he just has, a, has that one-two punch with whether it is the striker whether it is Declan Rice or Mark Noble, um, whoever's playing in the middle. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Nazari. Jeff? I, I think so, too. And I like I wrote on Green Street Hammers after the match uh, in the player ratings, I just I liked what I saw from Nazari a lot. 
I think you can tell the high level of skill that he has, even though he's rusty and hasn't played in so long. And so I just want to see more of that. Please let's just see more of it until he doesn't perform or, and, or he's going to continue to improve. So I want to continue to see him. So I'll take him for sure. Yeah, if we're looking any years down the road, Brooks is the obvious choice. The kid's talented sure. and special. But for one match, I'm taking Samir Nazri. He's impressed, like you guys had said. Nothing else I can add to that. Uh, and finally, maybe the most controversial pick, the striker. Um, we're going to cancel out the two on either side, or the one on either side, the two total. Uh, Callum Wilson was injured. Who knows if he'll be back? I doubt they risk him if they're trying to get $75 million off or $75 million pounds off of Chelsea. Um, I doubt that they're going to risk him if he's 50-50. So that leads us with Josh King. And for West Ham, uh, the team with a 1,000 strikers but no starting one, uh, we'll cut out Arnautovic because who knows, he may be in Shanghai by then. And uh, we'll give it, uh, I guess, Andy Carroll or Mikel Antonio. I'm going to go King. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to go King. Against anybody that's on the list not named Arnautovic. (laughs) Yeah, that's the key thing. (laughs) Come on, guys. We're the we're the podcast that loves Andy Carroll the most. You know that, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not. yeah. <laughs> Three out of four. Three out of four. But uh, I'm gonna go with King too. Yeah. I think that's just the smart one. All right, guys. We're we're running long here, so let's get into our match predictions. What's the score outcome gonna be? Again, Bournemouth is at home. West Ham and uh, Bournemouth both gonna be without possibly their strikers. Uh, Jeff, I'm gonna go to you first. What's the score? Who's scoring? How's the match play out? The match plays out in a typical West Ham Bournemouth match. Uh, it's going to be cold. It's going to be a tough match, and it's going to be a one-one draw. And we're going to be lucky to get the point and go on home. Uh, unlike last week, where the scoring came from an un- unlikely source in Declan Rice, I think one of the forwards punches it in. Let's say Anderson. I don't think Arnautovic is going to be on the pitch to score. So let's go Anderson uh, in a one-one draw. Although with the caveat. That I was way off last week, so don't you know, take <laughs> mm, it. We all were. were. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah, what do you think? How's it going to play out? What's I think score? we're going to get the uh, the Bournemouth monkey off our back, and oh. we're going to get two two one two one. And I think that uh, I think Samir Nazri is going to going to get a goal. He had a lot of good opportunities last week. Uh, I think he's going to get a goal. I think the other one's going to come from Antonio, uh, not from the left foot though. <laughs> Very fair. Um, I'm going to say, just for the sake of not agreeing with you guys, but still in that positive mindset, I'm going to say West Ham win, and I'm going to say a 3-0 win. Um, Wow. I don't think it's going to be a game where you're like, oh, West Ham dominated. I think it's a game where West Ham takes their chances. Um, I'm going to give... I'm gonna get I'm gonna get crazy here. So penalties were supposed to be given to Arnautovic this year to get his goal totals up. Um, which looking back, he may have a clause in his in his deal that he gets a bonus when he scores goals. Which again could have been something that was incentivized for him to try and make more money to make him stay at the club. If he has these problems, who knows? Anyways, that's me. I just thought of that right now. But I think Mark Noble gets a penalty goal. I think you're going to see Steve Cook sort of uh, leave a leg in on an aggressive tackle and uh, West Ham go up with that. And I'm also going to say. Samir Nazri, I like that pick. Uh, he, like you said, looked dangerous, so I'll, I'll take that one. And Lucas Perez is gonna bang in an ugly one on, you know, six mm. inches in front of the goal line on a scuff corner. That's my pick. Three best ones. And again, it'll be sloppy and cold and whatever outside, so it'll be a matter of taking your chances. And uh, I like the the clean sheet to to stay in Fabianski's uh, back pocket after. After the Arsenal win there. But gentlemen, that has been it. It's been a long one, but uh, there's been no shortage of things to talk about. Uh, we, we miss Scott, but uh, he'll be back with us next week, I'm sure. 
Uh, any final parting words for our uh, for our West Ham listeners here? How about come on you irons? Come on you irons. What about you, Jeremiah? Right, come on, you, uh, same thing. Come on you irons. Let's go, boys. All right, let's have a let's have a good match, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.